We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I want to talk about the most prominent religion. It's pervasive across all of our culture. The new American religion, the religion of the West, is now narcissism. The complete and unapologetic worship of self. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thank you for listening into the show. Well, as I said in the introduction, today's topic is religion. I want to talk about the fact that us being a secular culture, the United States, the West being a culture without religion, a religion-less culture. That's a ruse. It's a lie. It's not so. Oh, we have a religion, and it's as clear as the nose on your face. It's as clear as the image you see in the mirror. Our religion today is narcissism, the worship of self. We have met the enemy and it is us. We are all narcissists now. It's celebrated left and right. The me generation, me too, BLM, critical theory. It's all about me. It's all about the worship of the individual. Identity claims. I identify as this or that. I identify as something that's not even real. Something that isn't real. I'll say that one more time. We identify as something that isn't even real. Make-believe, fabricated, contrived characters and images. The images of fairy tales. We worship these images. We bow down to them. And we do so all the while while smirking at Christians. Smirking at conservative religious folks. Because they actually believe in a god. A spaghetti monster in the sky, as the neo-atheists call him. They mock religion. They say that God is dead, but religion isn't dead. They've created their own. They talk about being pro-science and empirical secularists. They say they're empiricists. They don't believe in anything they can't see, touch, taste, or smell. If you can't prove it through the empirical, through the senses, then it's not so. But that's, that's untrue, because you can't prove that a man is a woman, but they worship that person who denies reality and claims to be. That fairy tale. That construct of their own making. Narcissism. This is the story again of narcissists, and I want to talk about it today. America's religion. It is the official religion in the United States. We don't need to change our coins. The secularists say we do. We need to take in God we trust off of our coins and off of our paper money. We don't need to take it off. Just redefine God, which they have, because we sure do trust in God. It's just the one we see in the mirror rather than the one we read about in the Bible. It's a very dangerous place to be. The complete, unmitigated, unapologetic 
unrepentant worship of ourselves. Let's take a break, and when I get back, we'll dig into this reality, this fact, a little bit deeper. I'm Dr. Ever Piper, and this is The Rebellion. I'll be right back in a couple minutes. In 1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one-year maintenance, and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. So today's topic, obviously narcissism, and I'm making the claim that we are a religious society, perhaps more so than ever. We have rampant worship of God. It's just a God that we've made up. It's not a God that's been revealed. So don't tell me that we don't believe in God. It's the story of Narcissus to the extreme. We're gazing at our own reflection constantly. We're constantly fixated on ourselves. You offended me. You triggered me. You're guilty of a microaggression against me. Black Lives Matter is focus, focused on me. Critical theory is focused on me. LGBTQIA, it's all about the me. It's all about the individual. You see angry Generation X and Generation Z. You see angry millennials. They're angry about how you've offended them. This is a generation about me and mine. It's a generation fixated on the self, the perpetual selfie, if you will. We now live in a culture where everybody's a narcissist. We're staring at our images. We forget the story that Narcissus did the same, infatuated with himself. He didn't have an iPhone, but he had a pool. And he stared into that pool and he saw his image. So mesmerized with himself, he fell in and he drowned. He found his death as a result of being immersed in his own image, the worship of self. A, a narcissist, if you just want to simply state it, a narcissist is someone who is full of himself, often at the expense of others. The discipline of psychology calls narcissism, myopic self-infatuation, 
and self-glorification. And a narcissist falls somewhere along this spectrum of selfishness, worship of self. Again, I'll say it again, myopic self-infatuation and self-glorification. That's a description, a psychological description of narcissism. Now, I recently had a young person, let's just call them Gen Z. This person confronted me and said that he really felt that conservatives need to understand that the problem with us is that we're arrogant. We think we know all the answers. This person then went on to say, you think you're always right. So that's the critique coming from millennials, coming from Gen Z, coming from Gen X. But like I said, let's just use one of those labels so that we can just simplify it. So this Gen Z person says that conservatives are arrogant because we think we know all the answers. We think we're always right. Now stop and think about that critique. It, it, did it ever dawn on him? <laughs> did it ever dawn on him that he's kind of reversed the problem here? He's, it's the pot calling the kettle black. He's reversing the attributes of the two camps, himself and me, in many ways. You see, the difference between conservatives and progressives is not that conservatives think that they're right and progressives don't. The difference between this young man and me wasn't that I think I'm right and he doesn't. He thinks he's right, too. Do you get the point here? Any healthy debate presupposes one person believes in his or her ideas and believes those ideas are right while arguing, contending, that the other person's ideas are wrong. By definition, a disagreement assumes some sort of mutual dissent. By definition, this young person's confrontation of me presupposes that it's worth his time, it's worth his breath. He thinks he's right in challenging me. Common sense, as well as Webster's Dictionary, tells us that a dispute involves arguing one thesis or idea against another. Both sides think they have the correct answer. That's why there's an argument or a dispute or a debate in the first place. Both sides, both people, are confident in the accuracy of their position. Both sides, both people, believe the other person's ideas are wrong and mistaken. And it's okay. It's okay to have differing opinions, different views, different perspectives. The very existence of an argument, I'm saying it one more time, the very existence of an argument or debate presupposes disagreement, differing opinions. But it's also assumed that both sides think they're right. You wouldn't argue with me and I wouldn't argue with you if I think my argument is wrong. Why would I argue with you if I go into that debate with the presupposition, well, I, I'm not right anyway, but I'm going to argue with you. In any, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to argue. Well, I suppose sometimes we do that just to be ornery or just for fun. But the bottom line is you know very well that even if you're disagreeing with me right now, you disagree upon the premise, with the premise, with the presupposition that you're right and I'm wrong. It'd be silly. It'd be a waste of breath to disagree if we had no confidence in the rightness of our own position and the consequent wrongness of the opposing views. So what I'm saying right now is this. 
Surely, both progressives and conservatives can agree that we think we're right, that we're confident in our thinking, that we have the better ideas. It, this escapes my friend, obviously, because he's claiming to be right and criticizing me for thinking I'm right, which presupposes that he's right, but yet those people who think they're right are arrogant <laughs> and aren't right. I mean, the, again, sawing off the branch upon which you sit, dog chasing its tail. One finger of accusation pointed outward, forgetting the fact that when you do that, you have several fingers pointed back at yourself. So it isn't the degree of confidence that distinguishes me from my friend, one believer, if you will, from another. The disagreement here, the disagreement, the difference here, is the source of the confidence. We both are confident. You're confident, I'm confident, he's confident. We're all confident when we enter into a debate. We're saying, no, you're wrong, and let me tell you why, because I'm right. But where where the real difference comes here is not the confidence, but the source of the confidence. Let me explain. The progressive, like my young friend here, claims there is no final answer. See, that's his claim. To him, all truths are merely, merely the consequence of a social construct. All truths are just a matter of human preference. That's where he stands. People are the source of their own truth, in other words. He's the source of his own truth. doesn't matter what you believe as long as it works for you. Uh, you have your truth, I have my truth. Don't impose your religion, your truths on me. There's no such thing as an objective reality out there. Okay, that's his position. Now, the conservative, someone like me, I disagree. I think truth is bigger than this. It's an objective fact beyond our ability, yours or mine or my young friend's ability to create it. Truth is out there. It's real. It's given from above and revealed through the heart and through the mind, through reason, through experience through tradition, through revelation. So the real difference here is that one man claims to be the source of truth, my young friend, he makes it up as he goes, while another person, myself, claims to be the recipient of truth. For the progressive, he's the source, they're the source of truth. For the conservative, we're the recipients of truth. We don't disagree about truth, We don't disagree as to whether or not it's real, per se. We don't lack confidence in our assumptions about what's true. The disagreement here is, where does it come from? The source of truth. The major difference between the conservative and the progressive worldview is what I just described. One claims there is no truth outside of his subjective whims, and that that's the truth. And the other, the conservative, admits that truth exists and admits it's his job to find it rather than to make it. Make sense? So here's a question. Why is it arrogant? Remember, his claim against me was that conservatives are arrogant. We always think we're right. Why? Why is it arrogant for me to say, I don't have all the answers, but I believe there is one. 
And yet it's humble for my young friend, my pedantic young challenger, to proclaim with narcissistic confidence, there is no final, final answer. Truth is what I decide it is. I'm the final judge. I'm the ultimate arbiter of what is right and wrong, true and false, beautiful and ugly, male and female, up or down, cold or hot, bitter or sweet. Now, why is it arrogant for me to say, I, I don't know everything, but I do know that there's a truth out there to be found. But yet, it's humble for my challenger to say, I'm the final judge, I'm the arbiter. I'll decide what's right and wrong, true and false. Beautiful and ugly. I think you're hearing what I'm saying right now. Again, my young man is pointing the finger of accusation outward. He's saying, you're arrogant, not realizing that his position is the most arrogant of all because he elevates himself to be the final judge. God. Chronological snobbery here. I'll go back to that again. If, if my detractor, my young friend, my millennial Gen Z bud here, if he would just set aside his chronological snobbery for a second or two and consider the story of Narcissus, an ancient story, this smarter-than-thou young man might recognize he's standing on the, day, on the edge of today's political pool, staring with infatuation at his own image, his own opinions, his own references, his own desires. And he would recognize, if there was an ounce of humility left in his soul, that the image he's reaching out to, to embrace, is the opposite of humility. It is not the exemplar of humility that he fancies it to be. So, are conservatives guilty of believing that they are always right any more than progressives? No. Our progressive critics would do well to take a humble look in the mirror and remember that it isn't arrogant to fall in love with something bigger than what you see. It's not arrogant to fall in love with something bigger than yourself. In fact, you could argue, and rightfully so, that's the antithesis of narcissism. The hope and change and transformation that so many of these young people long for. It goes beyond the, the political. It goes, on, it, it, it goes well beyond progressives versus conservatives. The political animus we see in our culture right now is only a symptom of the disease. Debating different opinions isn't really the issue. That's actually healthy. We should debate. We should argue. Arguing isn't the disease plaguing our culture. That's not it. The disease that is plaguing our culture is that we've completely abandoned any objective standard for deciding who's right and who's wrong. In any dispute, whether it be public or private, we disparage the very concept of anything being objectively right. And we do like our young friend is doing, with, without even thinking. 
we start claiming that those folks who think they're right are wrong for thinking they're right, and we're right for condemning them for thinking they're right. All of this stuff of white privilege, intersectionality, toxic masculinity, microaggressions, trigger warnings, cancel culture, it's all fueled by narcissism. The argument that we are as gods, and anybody who disagrees with our feelings should be condemned. Just for the disagreement, just for thinking they're right and we're wrong. Remember I talked about C.S. Lewis, chronological snobbery? I've done it several times on the show. Once he said that we have to have a measuring rod outside of those things we want to measure or we can do no measuring. I've cited that many times on this show. And the measuring rod can't be yourself. You can't weigh yourself. You can't measure how tall you are. You can't measure yourself for a dress or a suit without some sort of standard outside of yourself to do that measuring. It would be absurd to measure your arm by the length of your arm. It doesn't tell you how long it is. It would be absurd to say, I want you to make me a suit, and the tailor would ask, well, what are your measurements? And you say, well, it's just myself. That is the measurement, myself. You have to have a scale to weigh something. You have to have a measuring rod, tape measure or whatnot, yardstick a ruler. You have to have a standard of measurement to decide how long or how wide something is. And that's the case with truth. Truth is an objective measuring rod. It transcends our feelings and emotions. It's self-evident. It endures. doesn't change. It's immutable. It's the test of all things. It's the test of time. It doesn't bend with political power or cultural fads. We don't create truth. We pursue it. We find it. We submit to it. We learn from it. We don't change truth. Truth should change us. The subtitle of my book, Not a Daycare, is The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. Well, the consequences of abandoning truth have had a devastating effect on our culture and on the way we live our daily lives. Our nation, and not just America, it's Canada to the extreme, it's South America, any of the Central America countries. It's surely pervasive across all of Europe. The consequences of abandoning truth. Our our, our schools are falling apart and are further behind than they've ever been. We're not teaching our kids anything. Now we're going to double down and spend more money on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Further... Furthering the new religion of narcissism, the worship of self, feelings, emotions. The facts be damned, we don't care about those any longer. Reading and writing and arithmetic, no, that's not our goal in our schools any longer. It's self-actualization, affirmation, tolerance, equity, inclusion. Regardless of how insane your ideas are, that doesn't matter any longer. 
Women have lost their privacy and their dignity and even their identity at the hands of those who deny the truth and what it means to be a female. Children have lost their childhood, their innocence. They now serve as pawns in an ugly game of social engineering conducted by adults who are abusing, grooming, destroying children. Freedom of speech is now mocked. Religious freedom is lost. Socialism is now on the rise, while constitutional liberty is maligned. You're the terrorist now if you believe in the Constitution. The list of this nonsense is nearly endless. But here's the thing. If we dig deeper into this cultural rush to disparage and disregard truth, we're going to find... We're going to find this, that it's actually more a rejection of the source of truth rather than a denial of truth's existence. Again, the left isn't denying that there's a truth. They're not denying that somebody has to be right and somebody has to be wrong. They're just saying they're right, they know what the truth and the source of that is themselves. An objective truth has to come from somewhere beyond the individual. Real truth has to come from somewhere outside of yourself. It's more than just a collection of personal opinions. Again, Oz Guinness, truth is true even if no one believes it. Falsehood is false even if everyone believes it. Truth is just true, and that's the end of it. Truth doesn't care about your opinions. That's why Lady Justice is blind. She knows the case cannot be judged by her feelings or emotions. Truth can only be found and justice can only be had when she blinds herself to her emotions and lets the facts speak for themselves. The same is the case with the Declaration of Independence. It suggests the same thing. Truth is given to us by our creator. It's not made up by a bunch of elite oligarchs dressed in black robes. It's not made up by a king. It's given to us by our creator. Truth is not a construct of power. It's not the product of public consensus. Truth is revealed from above. It's not made up from within. Since the founding of America, the self-evident truths and unalienable rights that form The building blocks of our culture, our society, these truths, unalienable, immutable truths have found their source in God and the Bible. And the rejection of this foundation goes hand in glove with the rejection of objective truth. Rejecting the God of the Bible has led to the rejection of objective truth and the consequent loss of our rights and freedoms. You can't have freedoms outside the boundaries of truth. So my young scholar friend here, let's go back to him. My source of truth is not myself. My source of truth is something bigger and better and wiser than me. But my young friend finds his source of truth where? Where? Nowhere else but himself. Himself. You have to just... Stew on that a minute. His source of truth is himself. He believes 
that he can produce truths from within his fallible self. But if he really believes that the things he holds dear are true, then he has to declare himself to be infallible. But yet he's accusing conservatives of being arrogant. The progressives proclaim that they, mere mortals, know more than all of those who have gone before them. They're the ultimate in chronological arrogance. They know more than everybody. And they also know more than even God himself. They are the ones they've been waiting for. They are the change they seek. They can stem the ocean's tides, calm the nation's storms, and control the world's climate. They can redefine biology and ignore genetics. And through their social programs, they can eliminate natural the natural distinction between men and women while they cleanse men of their toxicity. The list goes on and on. So again, do we have a religion in the United States? Yes, we do. And I'll just summarize by asking this question. Can you spell narcissistic? I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.